the is it morning yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast for sexual tension. More like, more like, more like boner still skin. <laughs> I am Beth Eldergan and I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> this this actually makes my segue into what I was going to hilariously start off the conversation even funnier. Um, today I'm minding my business, uh, eating my lunch. I packed myself a sandwich, just having a good time. I opened up my phone and I'm like, I'm going to check Instagram. Fun fact, I follow Sebastian Stan, the very fun uh, hatter, Jefferson Hatter, in mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time, so this is relevant to the podcast. Uh, he just posted his full butt today. Just his full butt on, on Instagram. And so that's what that's how I'm doing. That's how I started my day today. <laughs> a sandwich and just butts. So this, it's going to be a good week, guys. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> we are here to talk about season two, episode 16. Uh, I accidentally called last week's episode 16, but it wasn't. It was 15. My apologies. Uh, this is the Miller's Daughter, and this is another standout episode of Once Upon a Time season two, to the point where, much like uh, we've gotten with, pre- like I believe with Manhattan, this was one of those ones they re-aired with the, uh, with the as like the pop-up video version, where it was longer yeah. And uh, and they had like the little facts and tidbits going on because it was such a standout episode. We get Cora's backstory, guest stars Rose McGowan, so we've got that charmed crossover. And uh, while um, I wasn't exactly a super fan of uh, the the boner stiltskin moments, <laughs> overall, very good episode. Oh, this was a this was a fun episode. I'm um, and obviously we'll talk about it like that. Some of the scenes made my skin crawl, and I had to focus on the, the t- just the, the whatever you were going to call Rumple's makeup this week. Um, but I, I really did like this episode. This was a very solid uh, story building, like character building, character driven episode. Uh, a lot, a lot happens in this episode, and it doesn't feel like a lot, which I think is nice. I didn't feel overburdened. I actually was shocked it was as short as it was. Felt too short. It did, yeah. It, it, it so much happened, and this was this was one of the earlier examples of the show doing like a 
introducing a character's backstory right before they're gone for good. Um, R.I.P. Cora. Well, not forever. She comes back in, in some capacity. Um, but um, I feel in this case it was actually done well, and I like that they saved Cora's backstory for her her swan song, if we'll pardon the pun. Um, I, I do have a, a few issues with how it ended. I have mixed feelings. I'm not going to say issues. I have mixed feelings, and we'll talk about that. Uh, before we get into the episode, just a little bit of an update. Uh, we did mention this on the Facebook group. Uh, we are going to be switching to a bi-weekly schedule for the foreseeable future. The reason being, one, got a baby dragon, and it's, you know, it, 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 they take a lot of time, apparently. What? These babies. They, they do. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know that. I was kind of surprised. Uh, but also, you know, we are doing a recap rewatch and kind of start like now we're getting now we're getting close to season three and we're going to start eventually overlapping into what we had already covered. So we kind of want to back it up a little bit, give ourselves a little bit more space because we started the podcast at season 4.5 and we are already venturing onto season three. Um, so this will stretch things out a bit. Um, and if you're a Patreon supporter, first of all, thank you. Uh, second, how this will impact you is we are going to be slicing all the uh, Patreon bo- uh, tiers in half. A dollar one is going to stay the same. Support the show. Early access. We love you. The, uh, the bonus episode access will switch to $2.00. And uh, getting a credit and a thank you on the show will switch to $5. Everyone's going to be automatically switched to the lower tier. But, for example, if you were a bonus episode $5 a month and you want to stay at $5, just shoot me a message and let me know. Um, and we'll bump you back up and we'll thank you on thank you on the episodes. Hooray! So there you go. <laughs> I do like it. I, I do this is like we're slushing our prices. You know, it's, it's a spring fling event. <laughs> pretty much and uh for our wonderful patrons um our next bonus episode is going to be discussing the classic comic book film josie and the pussycats which just celebrated its 20th anniversary in case i didn't feel old enough because i saw in the theaters as a teenager oh uh so one of our and just to speak to the 20 years thing um one of our esteemed um guest hosts Kristen, uh, who covered uh, back when you were gallivanting apo- across Asia, uh, she posted a, an article she did about how spy kids turned 20. And I felt every bone in my body creak. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, no. I already feel Uh-oh. so just it. And I get it. Time marches on. But it is just it's weird because I'm at the point where I feel like everything happened yesterday. And so. Mm-hmm. It, it still blows my mind when we talk about how far away, like, Once Upon a Time was. Uh, in, in the context, like, it's 2021. This show is 10, 11 years. Oh, my goodness. Like, all of the people in the show have gone on to do a crazy amount of other things. And it just makes my lower back hurt, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, I have, I have not seen that classic film. I know it means a lot to you. I have not seen it. It does. And so it will be a very good... Um, uh, a dynamic of someone who's seen it and it and it means something very close to your heart. I know I you've talked about it never times, and I think I just admitted this to you ten minutes ago that I'd never mm-hmm. seen it. It's like I've never. I was only it. slightly betrayed as a human being and yes. as a woman, as yes. a person. But alas, yes. what are we gonna do? I know. Oh, we're I gonna know. watch it. That's what we're. You gonna can't do. get out of a friendship with me now. We brought business into it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Trapped your ass. <laughs> and let's get to that business by let's talking about, let's start with the Miller's daughter. We're going to go back into uh, the days of yore in the Enchanted Forest. And we are going to meet a younger Cora who is played by Rose McGowan. Um, and I want to just kick things off by saying I thought she did such a good job impersonating the actress who plays Cora. 100%. Yeah, because she doesn't look a lot like her. She doesn't look much like her, but she did the mannerisms and her facial expressions and her voice so well. Um, Rose McGowan has had a long career. Uh, she's also had a, I mean, she's been the victim of some horrible shit in the industry, and I know it. it's affected her in for a long time. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad that that happened because she's, she's a good actress and very and, talented. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those, she deserves so much better than what the, the industry in particular men in the industry, uh, put her through. Uh, that's, that's, I, that's my piece on the matter. Well, I mean, just not for nothing. Apparently that guy went blind in prison. So, you know, cool. Um, really? It that that just like just came out. I have no idea if it's even true, mm. but you know what? I believe it, so it's fine. Uh, no, she did such a good job. Uh, one of the things I did notice because it's something I noticed about the actress who plays Cora, um, and I don't remember her name, and I apologize. Uh, but she doesn't move her top lip a lot, like mm-hmm. just like the front part. Rose McGowan did that for this characterization. Like I noticed yeah. it because I know I. I mean, we watched Charmed. We we watched there. I I know how Rose McGowan's face moves. Um, and it doesn't move the way she did it in this show. So that means she did some very conscious efforts to, to emulate the actress she was portraying. And they kind of did the hair a little bit like the same and everything, by the way, her hair is just, I've always loved Rose McGowan's just like her hair through charmed her hair in this. I was just like, how please. I just, that's what I want my hair to do all of the time. Well, I gotta wonder if it was a wig because I, oh, I think had she had short hair by that time. But it was a good wig, unlike somebody else in this flashback, the <sighs> king. All of the, all of the wig money went to Rose McGowan. It was in her writer. Yes. Uh, and no, she did such a really phenomenal job. Uh, and even like they had to do the introduction where they were just like, "Oh, this is Cora," and you're just like, "Bitch, I knew." Like you knew the moment she turned around. You're like, "Oh, it's young Cora. I got it. Awesome." Yes. Uh, yeah, so she's uh, with her father, who is the miller, and he is drunk off his ass and, and failed to deliver the flower to the palace. Uh, so so Rose McGowan, uh, so young Cora, just wheels it straight through the palace doors oh. into the main chamber instead of literally anywhere else where she would drop it off. There's, I thought this was really funny. Listen, I, and and I don't know if this was supposed because there's two things here. One, this could have just been them not understanding how deliveries happen because there's always a servant's entry or like a mm-hmm. delivery. Like even in a castle, these exist. Like there's a way you're supposed to go because you're not supposed to see this person. This person doesn't exist to the people in front of the castle. The queen, the princess, the anybody should never see anybody doing manual labor. Ew, disgusting. Unless they're, of course, putting some sort of tiara or accoutrement on them. This person snakes around the side in the in the chambers. Like, bread doesn't appear because of flour. Bread just magically happens. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have to think about those things. So the, so the fact that, yes, yeah, she is just going through the front either speaks to them not knowing or her character being that naive to be like, fuck it, I'll just take it through the front door. Like, <laughs> 
You want flour, you're getting flour. <laughs> I'm I'm leaning more toward the latter because in a in a previous episode we did see Snow White sneak into the palace with the flowers for the mm. wedding and she went into the servant the servant entrance and was like flowers for the delivery and and remember that really like oh, that cocky yeah. like really arrogant dude who was just like oh, okay i guess go you know on what in. that does make sense okay and then i love it i love the idea that cora got this far being the miller's daughter <laughs> and was yeah. just like whatever like i or she knew and she didn't care because that would also speak to cora being like i'm not going mm-hmm. through the side door like a like a peasant even though I am one, I won't do it. Make me. I'm well, beautiful. Have you seen me in a strapless dress? I'm gorgeous. I don't have to do anything. She, well, she brings the flower into the palace, and we catch uh, a young glimpse—a glimpse of young Princess Ava, who is Snow White's mother. And uh, apparently, she had yet to learn the lesson she imparted on her own daughter. Because in this flashback, she's kind of a bitch. Uh, she trips Cora for no reason. And then Cora just ends up like the bags must have been made of flour because they just spill all over the ground. Everything's covered in flour. And then here we get uh, the king shows up, uh, played by uh, Joaquim uh, de la Meda, who was in uh, Battlestar Galactica. And uh, uh, they, they gave him hair, which was a choice, a bad choice, a very wrong choice. Listen. So all of this, by the way, completely hold, like I liked all of this mm-hmm. until you think about what they look like later. Because, the, like the flower, no, the, all of the characters. Like mm. I, I don't think Princess Ava. I don't think anything was wrong with that one. But like all of the men that they cast, and I'm going to speak very specifically towards Henry, her soon-to-be betrothed, is super tall. Yeah, I don't remember Regina's father being a tall man. No, he's kind of a small, bald, oafy man. Um, and then I, 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 mean, I guess yeah, being married just, to Cora for that long would probably do it to you. I'm just you saying. know what? It belittled him so much he literally shrank. <laughs> exactly. The show is the show is deep and has layers. Oh, and it also caused you. all of his hair to fall out. Like just he yeah. has this beautiful mm-hmm. head of hair, and then it's just like no, now he's a frog person. Oh, I love it. Anyway, yes. So, yes. So, yeah. So, so the king uh, sees Cora on the ground, covered in flour, and she's getting a little, she, she has a bit of that haughtiness where she, you know, she's speaking back to the king. Uh, he just refuses to pay for the plat flour instead of murdering her, which he would have done. Because yeah. this was a 100% an off with her head offense, and we would have mm-hmm. never seen her again. Yeah, this was definitely a, uh, he just wanted free flour, but he also didn't want the flour to stop showing up. So I also kind of get the impression that, like, they probably haven't paid for flour in a while. Knowing that dad's drunk, it was probably Mm. one of those dad shows up drunk a lot with the flour, and it's like, you're too drunk, I'm not paying you anywhere. Oh, well, and leaves. Um, Yeah, this is a pizza 30 minutes or less situation. It's always just 32 minutes. So he can't kill her. Because he won't get his free flour anymore. And, and back in the day, I mean, I say this horrified as a celiac, uh, flowers and everything. <laughs> it's an every damn thing. You need it to survive and he needs to feed his kingdom, even though they have no gold, which will play a part later. Hey, that's why they're wanting the free flour. They got no money. It's damn. pretty smart. It's deep. The show's deep. Deep. So, uh, so he also orders 
Cora to get on her knees and apologize to Princess Ava for getting flour on her shoe, even though, again, this was not her fault in any way, but she did talk back, so that's a no-go. Uh, and she does apologize, uh, but it's just through through the thin lens, through the thin lips and her teeth, like she is this it's a, by the skin of her teeth, she is just like having none of it. And she is pissed. So later, I guess this is that night. That's according to my like my notes stuff. It's apparently the same day. Um, I assumed it was just later on, but, um, so Prince Henry is having, uh, the prince is giving a ball. The prince is giving a ball. Um, I've got Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella in the brain. Yes, it's amazing. Um, Cora sneaks in to this masked ball where Prince Henry is trying to find a wife and she throws on the charm by being, you know, being the, Oh, I, I don't, I conveniently don't recognize you. And oh. I'm just going to talk shit about this and make you feel insecure. I love this. This has such a, I'm reading a book in the front row of a One Direction concert so that Harry <laughs> sees that I'm not like other girls kind of moment. Like it has yes. such a like, oh, these things, psh, whatever. I actually just got off work. This is just the clothes I wear. Like just so uninterested. Like, I don't know that I'm beautiful. I hate everything about this. Your life is gross, but I'm amazing. You know, to that level of wooing, which I mm-hmm. think is such a fun, I don't know. Again, it's the fan fiction to me. I love this trope so much. She does such a good job with it. She's like, oh, I'm so bored. And is it, isn't it like you're being sold gross? It gets <laughs> kind of cut short, but I love this. And it's very ironic considering she basically does the same thing to her own daughter later. Like oh, yeah. She like, sells her daughter to the king. Well, she does say it's... I don't think she... I don't think... She, I, I want to say she does, but I don't think she does. I think she makes it sound like it's like a very heartless thing to do, which... Mm-hmm. As we find out, it kind of is. So... It's also a little bit creepy that Cora, you know, had had this interaction with Princess Ava and then presumably her, her current or future husband who ends up, like, at a younger age, because he ends up marrying her own daughter. And that's just creepy as hell. And they don't really acknowledge the age difference thing, but we're going to acknowledge it here, because it's gross. Listen, all I'm thinking about is the fact that Cora holds a grudge like I've never seen in my life. Uh, She gets tripped and humiliated in front of a bunch of people that don't remember her later. Uh, And then she waits a certain amount of time for that woman to, to get married, have a child and then straight up murder her. Like that's a long game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a long game to be like, Oh, you've changed. And now you're just this beautiful woman who is just trying to spread love. Like it's like if you were trying to seek revenge at the age of 45 for someone who like pushed you in the hallway as a middle schooler, like people change. Sometimes they still end up shitheads, but I just love the, just the grudge holding. I'm going to hold on to this and I'm never going to get over it. I'm going to fucking murder you. So I mean, she's kind of like the Javert of, of the, uh, of the once upon a time universe. <laughs> oh, Princess, I love fla- it. flower, bread. It's all connected. Once upon a time is basically la, 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 la,
Uh, okay, so yeah, so she is sneaking into the ball. She's pr- dancing with Prince Henry, and they are having a grand old time. He is smitten with this woman who who is who is totally gaslighting him, but in a way that is super effective. Uh, when the king shows up and is like, "My may I and my horrible toupee cut in." And he goes dancing, and I do like that the king is, he's not stupid. He's just like, uh, I recognize you. What are you doing here? Uh, you will never be one of us. I hate you. You're terrible and stupid. Your dress and is even dirty. Th- You're gross. <laughs> and I find it funny that, um, even though he is objectively way worse to her than Princess Ava ever was, she ends up sparing him and then murders Princess Ava. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe she's got a little bit of um, internalized misogyny. I thought the same thing. That is 100%. I would 100% give Cora to being very internally mis- misogynistic and just being like, again, it's it's the fan fiction-y pick-me-girl situation of just being like, I'm not like other girls. Like, I'm just like one of the guys. So it's like, that's just how guys talk to each other. But when girls do it, they're bitches. So, yeah, that that checks out. Yes. Well, uh, he, he, you know, talks shit to her, says you'll never be one of us. And then she's like, well, I'm better than you because guess what, sucker? I can can spin straw into gold. This is (laughs) a very random thing that I can definitely do. Well, I love how, and I get it. I get what they were setting up. I understand it. But the clumsiness of his lines being like, you have straw in your thing. I need gold. I wish I could spit like he basically says all of the keywords to like build mm-hmm. it in her brain being like, well, I can like it's like a mad lip sync for her. Well, I yes. can build gold from straw. Uh, eh. And I do like it because she says that and it's so clumsy that she like catches herself. And she's like, but since you're a jerk, I'm not going to do it. And he <laughs> catches her faster and be like, oh, everyone, guess what? <laughs> Look, <laughs> We've got this amazing person who's going to do this amazing thing for us. And if not, I'm going to murder her. Isn't it fun? Yay! Yay! Okay, everyone, welcome to the party. Here's a person that we believe to be a witch. She's going to either do this and win the prince or not do it. And then we're going to straight up kill her in front of everybody. Party! (laughs) Oh my god. Rich people are crazy. Oh, or not rich people pretending to be rich. Yeah. Well, later that night, she finds herself locked in the tower and she's looking over the edge and seems like she might be considering some um, some options. But mm-hmm. before any of that can happen, in pops Rumpelstiltskin. And again, I'm going to have to pause for a, a note on the, the looks department. I wanted to note how amazing Rose McGowan looked. And I also want to note how horrible Rumpelstiltskin is. Appearance-wise, in this episode, who did his makeup in this episode? And how can we um, throw them off a bridge? How? So, seriously, there's a couple of scenes where it definitely looks With a bungee. Just, with a bungee. I'm not suggesting With a bungee. We, we just want to scare him a little. Yeah. We don't want to... Yeah, yeah. No, we don't want to do that. We just want to scare him a little. Yeah. Um, no, there's a couple spots where it genuinely looks like there's makeup missing from his nose. Like, he smudged it because mm-hmm. he sneezed and they never fixed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it moved every once in a while. Like, you could tell, like, it was just smudged in different fun ways. Uh, and there's definitely a scene, which we will get to, but I, the, to focus, I focused on the seam at his hairline. Like, his wig had started to, like, migrate. 
away from the makeup and you could see his his real skin under there and I was like come on guys it's a close up we couldn't have fixed it all we're seeing is his forehead fix it yeah this was like non-stop close-ups as 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 rumple just gets it on uh with cora in a very uncomfortable way so like this was the time where they needed the makeup to look at its best and they just could not do it and i also want to point out that like we get this scene with them but then we also get the scene the the scene with them later uh where cora is like her wedding day and Rumple comes back in to to like romance her or whatever they do, and his makeup looks the same. Like they shot it like immediately after, but it's supposed to be like years later. And like the same mistakes are still here. Oh, I so I yeah I I think I've mentioned this before. This might have been an episode with Joy where like Cora and Rumple had scenes together, and it genuinely squicked me out. It still does, even though it's Rose McGowan. Like I just don't like this pairing. It freaks me out. I don't care for it. I just, I liked it. I understood the story. It made sense in the characters in this episode. I don't think it made sense to me before, but it made sense in this. I still just don't like it, mostly because in this, Rose, like, Cora is what, how old is she versus how old is he? I don't like it. I don't care for it. It's just, ugh, I don't, I mm. I'm I'm gonna have a dissenting opinion because I fine. like it better than Rumple and Bell. That's all I'm saying. I, they these two make sense together because guess what, guys? She tricks him. She I, plays the dark one in a way that he didn't expect, and all the while while overcoming actual genuine feelings for him because she had this mission she wanted to accomplish. So like. I mean, it was icky, and I didn't care to watch him suck in her neck with his creepy, awful makeup while she's spinning straw into gold. Like, no thank you uh, to any of that. But conceptually, I don't mind it. Again, yeah, conceptually, like, this makes sense. Like, this is a good power power couple. Like, I can can get behind it. Like, I get it. But again, I think it's just, again, it it was bad makeup. (laughs) But he's also, however old he is, we're never really able to gauge that. But he's definitely older than her. Like, it's kind of like the Twilight thing. Sure, Robert Pattinson is the same age, you know, in these things. They're the same age, technically. They look the same. But he's, like, so much older. It's, It's so much more life experience. It just makes it weird. And plus, I don't think he's ever been this sensual with Belle. I no. So, like, I think that's the other part where it's, like, seeing that side of Rumple is not something I care to see. Like, again, I'm not a big Rumple fan in general. Uh, mm-hmm. So, there's that. So, I might, I might just have blinders on. Um, but, yeah, I I don't know. I did well, like, I liked, I liked watching the, the bloodlust form in Rose McGowan. The, the more on the lust than the blood. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, let's go ahead and uh, talk about, this is. The, their interpretation of the famous Rumpelstiltskin story. And before I get into that, I'm going to pop my can of bubbly rosé. Ooh, ASMR, look at you! Because I needed to get through these uncomfortable love scenes. Ooh, I am drinking. I'm going to need it. I am drinking a craft pear cider by the Ace. They're certified gluten-free because a lot of alcohol, by the way, doesn't test for gluten. They just assume that it's not in there. So, mm. you know, fun fact for people who don't have celiacs. 
<laughs> Life sucks and terrible. Anyway, the Miller with the flower and her poison, her actual poison. Yeah, so Rumpelstiltskin uh, is like, hey, you mentioned that you could st- spin straw into gold. Hey, guess what? It's a thing I actually can do. I just do it for f- I just do it for funsies. We I just do it for me common. time. We have things in common. We should date. <laughs> and he he says he'll do it in exchange for her firstborn child, uh, which I because because he says like she uh, the the daughter her firstborn daughter is going to play an important part in the in the times to come, and we're getting a bit more uh, of the show leaning into the fact that Rumple has premonition. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas before they really kind of danced around it. Now that we know what he has and the ability that he has, they're much more overt about it. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's just and then at a certain out. point, don't they just forget about it? <laughs> I mean, they forget about a lot of stuff. I know. I, I, anyway. I think it starts and ends with uh, with Elsa making walls of ice around Storybrooke. Hey. We're gonna get to that later. Um, so yes. He says, I want your firstborn child. She's very important. Um, and Cora, very smartly, because again, she's a smart cookie, says, no, I don't want you just to make me straw into gold. I want you to teach me how to turn straw into gold. I want to be able to do this myself. Yes. And, she she also, mm-hmm. she has a line when Rumple first shows up, because she doesn't even say hello to him. He just appears and kind of makes a comment about, you're not going to be able to get out of there. And she just goes, wait a minute. If you got in, there's a way out. Show me. Like, that was her first statement. Like, because she Mm -hmm. is looking for a way out. If someone can get in, someone can get out. So he never actually addresses that. But that's another line where they're just trying to show you that. uh, I think Rumpel didn't realize what he was dealing with quite as much. No. Um, even though she really laid it out for him ahead of time being like, listen, I'm a thinker. I'm not like other girls. I have a brain. (laughs) (laughs) And I I do feel like it informs him later on, like how, how careful he was, for example, with Cinderella. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we can kind of look back at that and be like, oh, he was like super like trying to take care of every single contingency that might also part not only is that because he's working on his grand plan but also he's learned from his mistakes of course he ends up making new ones he's not perfect so so Rumpelstiltskin agrees he's like yeah I'll 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 teach you I'll teach you this but you know of course all magic comes at a price uh and that price is horniness (laughs) So much horniness. <laughs> like, I love how, like, evil this horniness is, too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, he's, like, kissing her shoulder and her neck. Like, I, I just, uh, just inches away from straight up biting her, I assume. And the whole time, she's just like, they made me kneel. And I hated it. And I wanted to murder all of them. And I want to make them all kneel until their heads fall off. Like, the whole time, she is just speaking absolute lunatic things about how she wants to seek vengeance. And both of them are just getting so turned on. Yes. So, oh, yeah. This oh, this is it. like their aphrodisiac. Rumple talking about licking some man's boots. Cora uh, talking about wanting people's <laughs> knees to buckle and break under the pressure of being on their knees for so long, which, you know, dimensions. Uh, but, yeah, this is like a very um, – this couldn't work with anyone else. It barely works with them. But work it, it does. I, I feel it makes sense to me. I know you're not a fan. I'm not oh, a fan no. of it. I'm not a fan of it, like, visually. I don't like to see it, but I get it. 
Yeah, I guess, like, I think it's more, uh, in thinking about it, it definitely is like a, I, I don't know how to explain what it is that makes me so uncomfortable about this scene. And it might just be that's the feeling that is supposed to be elicited. Like, because it's not like it's gross, like, ew, you know, horniness, because I will never, ever turn my nose up at horniness, and you know that. But it was still just like, it's it's the character of Rumple, and then like, it, I, don't, I don't know, like, I just feel like it's one of those things where you're just like, you don't want to see that part. Like, you're just mm-hmm. like, I mean, I get it, I guess, but, mm. and this is like the sexiest the show gets. <laughs> I mean, yeah. overtly sexual. They make a lot of dirty jokes and references and yeah. stuff like that. But this was just like, hey, we're about to start bodice ripping, let's party. Like, <laughs> yeah, a comparison would be like, um, like thinking about like knowing what you're like, that you exist because your parents did something and you're just like, I know it exists. It can be out there. I yeah. don't want to think about it. And I definitely don't want to see it. Yeah. So no, like, that's the, my, yeah. my littlest sister was born when I was 19. I had to grapple with a lot of those things ahead of time. Like you just sit, sit there and go, no, she just appeared. She showed up. Like your whole brain just blocks it out. And so I think <laughs> that's kind of where I was here. But again, it was just one of those things where it's like, this show is such a certain thing. So you're almost not prepared for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but I also think it also just plays to, to, to how well Rose McGowan was playing this part because she just, and she, she bodied this whole scene so so well because i was like this she's gonna murder every single person like she's gonna kill him i if i didn't know about the rest of the seasons i think she was gonna murder rumple like it's like right there with gold chain um so anyway yes they do that she makes gold and i we're gonna jump forward so we don't have to keep talking about this but i love that she's making gold in front of them but not channeling her bloodlust. Like, she's just like, look, I'm doing it. I wish she would have had to have just been in the throes of just absolute bloodlust to be making it. Because she just learned to like, do this an hour d- ago. Like, just staring daggers at everyone. I'm going to get out of you. I'm she's like having like a Harry. She's like having a Harry Met Sally in the diner moment. But like with killing people. Like, just like. Ah, ah. like, just like <laughs> spinning gold. I uh, mean, she might be doing that on the inside. She is. She, she's good at. At. Um conceal don't feel to the point where she literally rips out her own heart to uh to block everything that's that's a power move man that is a power move um, yeah so that's so this is kind of what happens so she's get she's about to get married and um uh she's kind of she's a little miffed because henry is fifth in line to the throne so there's no way she's gonna become a queen uh and rumble stiltskin's like you won't be yeah, you won't be queen with me, dare you, but apparently I love you, so I, uh, um, why don't we, and Cora, very smartly, um, convinces Rumple to amend the contract so that uh, she owes Rumpelstiltskin not her firstborn child, but his child. I have a thought on that in a bit, but I want to kind of get through all this stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think we're so, you and me simpaca- simpatico here. Uh, I think so, right? Yeah. Um, so he uh, he also t- teaches her how to take a heart uh, because she wants to kill the king. She goes to confront him. And uh, he, again, super smart cookie. He knows that she's been doing Rumpelstiltskin. Oh. And he's just <sighs> like, dude, I get it. 
but also just don't do it oh. because we've got power here. What a, you know? Love this, is weakness. That's where she learns that famous line, not from Rumple, but from the king. God, this had such Game of Thrones energy. Like this mm-hmm. whole like the the scene all the way from like the wedding scene up until like I think their little courtyard scene where she's just like, Haha, "Jokes on you, I am not coming." Um, it all had very like these are all the chess pieces that are being moving, and I just mwah, amazing. I lo- this writing was spectacular, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this scene, and I do love the king. He he says what shapes her. Where he's just mm-hmm. like, which do you want? I mean, do you want love or do you want power? Because my son kind of sucks. He's kind of a dip. Like, you're fine and you're smart. That's why I don't like you very much. Uh, but uh, do you want love? Ew, gross. Or do you want power? Ooh, power. And uh, she makes her choice. She does. She doesn't rip out the king's heart. She instead chooses to rip out her own so that she isn't conflicted and will choose power over love every single time. Um, and Rumple's like, well, dearie, we have a contract. Um, you still owe me your firstborn child. She's like, no, 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 no. I owe you your firstborn child, which this is where my, this is where my concern is. He has a firstborn child. Yep. That's right. Why, like, why it wasn't, why, I feel like this was a bit of a, just could have been amended a little bit with, in the script to, uh, instead of being his firstborn child, be their firstborn child. Yes. If they had just changed the wording in the script by that, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have this issue. But now this opens up a whole mess of stuff where he could could have called on her the entire time. Mm-hmm. I know he hates her and he's afraid of her and she's super powerful. But if she has to honor the deal... Why didn't he do that? Or at the very least, make mention of it to somebody being like, look, she could she could have helped me, but I'm so terrified of her. I'm not going to do that. But then he would be breaking a contract, too. And he doesn't See, do that. I do think that there would have been a very interesting. Uh, uh, there's a very, very interesting plot device that could have been used there of just being like, no, no, no not ours. You said mine. I found him. This is Neil. He's a full-fledged adult. You owe him to me. He's already here. So you're bound because I now have him back. Um, I think that would have been interesting. I think that would have been an interesting, um, just, you know, (laughs) the litigation of debating a contract because as, as you mentioned before, he doesn't, because of this, Going forward, there's a lot of stuff he doesn't fall for. He doesn't fall for anybody flashing their big fake eyelashes at him or being very doe-eyed and so innocent. Oh, no. That's why he just dejects Belle. Because he's just like, I listen. (laughs) I know about you girls who read books and are smart with your big eyelashes. Not today. Not today. Because he's already had his heart, figuratively in this part, ripped out by somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because this was him. This was him having a little schoolboy crush. And um, not thinking little with... Dark, little dark yeah. one crush. Little dark thinking, one crush. Thinking with a little dagger. I was about to say about the, where the blood in his head was. was not where it was supposed to be. But yes. <laughs> it was whatever. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, there's, so just, he, there's just too many boner jokes we can make you guys. There's so many just, You're just going to have to let us do that this week. Some boner jokes. Uh, I will say I do like that this explains a lot about Cora. Um... Because I think we, mm-hmm. I think I yelled about it in the last episode about how she treats Regina, um, and the fact that she doesn't have a heart in her body, and the way she's been this entire time, answers everything. Like it's she does all this because she genuinely has no empathy. 
she can't because her heart lives outside of her body. Um, which we'll get to, to, to why I cried at the mm. end of this because I'm a mom mm. and going through stuff. And so, yeah, it, this was such a really good, like, this is why she is what she is. And you can tell because even Rose McGowan plays it differently. Like, you, you see her eyes kind of glisten like they're going to be teary, but no tears fall. Not a single one. She's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I feel like I'm supposed to be sad. My body's kind of reacting, but not actually sad. So. Yeah. So, sorry. Bye, buddy. Now anyway, I've got a this- baby. Her name is Regina, which is, which is actually does mean queen. Uh, although also, uh, apparently Cora is, is a derivative of Latin for heart. So all Ooh. that very interesting. Uh, I do like to look at the goof sometimes. And for some reason, the only goof in this episode was someone pointing out that, uh, baby Regina has a modern diaper. <laughs> Just like, it did look weird. I will admit like when, when the baby was being held yeah. up and it's like in okay. this flowy little thing and like. Just a pampers. A, a pampers. Like, like uh, f- first of all, I did notice something was weird. I didn't zero in on the diaper. Second of all, how funny would that have been? Be like, no, this baby's super method. Because I thought about this in the beginning scene where she's like, oh my gosh, she got flour and she hurt my shoe. And it's like, these people are walking around in dirt and gravel constantly. They are con- Like, their feet are constantly disgusting. Their shoes are not pristine. So this princess who's upset about flour on her shoes... Mm-mm, not buying it because she's walking through little literal sewage. They don't have indoor plumbing here. It's gross here. So same thing with the yeah diaper. That I think the kid probably would have either had just like I don't know something strapped to him with a couple of little pins or something, or just free button it. Just <laughs> if they go, they go. We'll just wipe it off. Like <laughs> let them go. Yep, and that is Cora's story, and now we are going to return to Storybrooke because uh, Rumple has returned to Storybrooke with um, with Henry and with Neil. Henry is in a particularly jovial mood considering his grandfather is dying. He's also seemed to have forgiven Emma. Yeah, a lot. Just Henry like, was weird. He's like, I got to steer a fire ship. I'm like, your Rumple is bleeding from his body. He's just like, I gotta run that. My dad taught me. It's awesome. Like, it's so cool. Meanwhile, like, Hook is still, like, in a locker in New York City. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, he's just like, oh, oh, man, I gotta leave. Okay. Like, because Ruby is inexplicably there to take Henry and, like, whisk him away. Mm-hmm. So the plan is this, this all happens very quickly, so I apologize if I miss anything. But a lot of magic happens very quickly mm-hmm. it's we have to get back to my shop okay we're back at my shop i have invisible chalk which emma has the greatest line i drew the line i think because it's invisible chalk who knows oh, do you want to hear something funny about that yes uh, uh apparently um jennifer morrison was like so into character with her invisible chalk that she would uh stick it in her pocket between takes <laughs> and pull it back out to shoot another take. Like, she was just really into the invisible chalk, apparently. I I love Jennifer Morrison so much. Uh, so, yeah, she's just like a druid, I think. Um, they, like, put Rumple on, like, a little thing in the back. He looks uncomfortable the entire time. Bro is dying of poison. He's coughing blood all over himself. Like, he's got the freaking plague. And... It, he will have, as we move forward, I'm just going to call, like, the deathbed moments where 
He's suddenly very sorry. And he's able to say all the stuff he wasn't able to say before because shit, he's about to die. I can say anything. I'm still just as moved by it. Again, not a Rumpel fan, not a Rumpel Bell fan. Mm-hmm. Cried through this whole thing. Whole thing. Um, <laughs> just, I just cried, just cried at the end of the episode. Um, but it is, okay, we have to draw the ch- magic chalk lines. Um, but also, Emma, you have the power to cast protection spells, which had a very big charmed vibe to me. It's like, you have mm-hmm. to do a protection spell. And she, and he says something that I I want to track for the rest of this, uh, the rest of the, the show of being like, you know, magic is not intellectual. It's emotional. So, which he says to Cora, obviously, being like, you don't think about it, you just feel it, which is where the bloodlust mm-hmm. gold straw stuff came from. But he just says, you got to think about it, you got to, you're not think about it, you have to just feel it feel it in your bones and it just happens and so emma does it i say mostly for convenience i think it would have been funnier if she was just like i'm gonna cast a protection spell but accidentally just protects henry because it's the only thing she can think about um (laughs) henry's a little force field around his face what (laughs) yeah like like ruby's like trying to pat his head and is like boing boing like what is happening um so she's able to cast protection spells out of her brain Apparently, I don't remember this being a big thing, but again, I've forgotten large chunks of this show. Um, and the whole time that this is happening, like Neil and Emma are sort of near each other, but not interacting. Like it's, they're protecting him, but they're not talking to each other because it's still weird. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, they like have, they have one a little slightly awkward conversation and David comes and is like, What's going on? Yeah, he's just like, sorry about the thing before. It's just like, like, care. Like, a boyfriend from 10 years ago got engaged? What do I care? Uh, We all care, Emma. Nice try. Like, (laughs) Yeah, you're not fooling anyone, girl. I'm going to be like, in my 60s, I'm going to find out the guy I dated in college who cheated on me got engaged. I'm going to be like, oh, rat bastard. Like, just die alone. I should die alone (laughs) pining for me. That's how it works. Um, So they have that moment. But the whole time, like... So Rumple is telling Snow at one point, like, hey, can you give me a blanket out of that cupboard where I clearly keep um, definitely blankets, but definitely not magical items that I want you to see? And she opens it up and oh, it's the candle from the last episode, uh, which is such a cool candle, by the way. Oh, it's super cool. I thought it was super cool. It's a great prop. It's amazing prop. Um, And it's it's the candle that if you hold it over... I love that the way that this works, because of how Cora's heart is out of her body, like, they described the candle in the previous episode to make sense Mm -hmm. with this episode, which is why it sounded completely insane in the episode before. So, you have to, to, to recap, you have to hold the candle lit on both ends over the person you want to kill uh, and say their name, and then they die. Well, Cora's body, or... Cora's heart is out of her body, so she has to do that. But then she has to put Cora's heart back into her body in order for it to actually kill her. So many steps. Crazy. Uh, so now Snow has the candle. So that's... Mm-hmm. Snow has a candle. And, and she is determined to kill Cora, even though David keeps telling her no no snow this isn't you you're gonna you're you're gonna immediately regret it it's like having that one night one night stand with your ex it seems like a good idea at the time 
It's mm-hmm. just gonna, you're gonna have nothing but regrets later on. This walk of shame is a lot harder to walk off. Um, but like Rumple gets to her because for Rumple being on like the brink of death, for his back to the future picture to be just down to his feet of invisibility, <laughs> um, he already knows how to weaponize the fact that he's part of the family. Like, he's just mm-hmm. like, score, I'm part of Snow's family. He's like, how will you tell poor Henry and his big, beautiful eyes that his papa, his grandpapa has been murdered? Like, how will you look at his beautiful face? She's like, you're right. I got to go straight up murder this woman. This Because she's still working off the anger of her mother being murdered. Um, which, for anybody that is on episode four of Falcon and the Winter Soldier with me, um... Murder and murder. Anyway, I'll say nothing else. So you're right. David kind of tries to talk to her being like, we've, it'll be fine. Like, we'll get through this. We don't have to, because he kind of doesn't, he doesn't know about the candle. He doesn't know about anything really, because he's charming. He's David. But unfortunately, the way he kind of pep talks her, pep talks her into her plan. Mm Mm-hmm. He's just like, we have to do what we have to do for our family. And she's like, you're right. I do have to do what I do for my family. Um, I, I will say, when we saw Cora's heart for the first time, uh, when we get, I, I think we see it the first, do we see it the first time in the, with Rose McGowan or with Snow? It doesn't matter. But you see the blackness swirling. So mm. that, mm, seed for later. Anyway, so Snow... <laughs> Snow waits until there's, like, a full-fledged attack by Cora and Regina on the pawn shop to make her break for it. Because everyone's eyes are on her. So it's just like, the attack has happened. Snow leaves. Gotta go. And I I do want to point out the scene between Cora and Regina before they attack the pawn shop. Because it was... Oh, it was was almost comical to me how... Like you, you had some really great points in the last episode about what this dynamic should be and how it should be portrayed, but they're not quite there. Right. Um, This was another one where it's like at, at one point, like Cora is just explaining to her that, well, if we can't get the dark one to do our bidding, cause he's dying, um, then I'm just going to have to become the dark one. And then I can do it myself. And then, Regina now of all times is like, wait, what's your motivation? What are you trying to do? Yeah, because the the other ticking time bomb that gets revealed that I, I glossed over on accident, but it's the fact that if Rumple succumbs to the poison, the dark one just dies. It's done. The line has stopped. But if Cora can stab him with the dagger, uh she becomes the dark one and the dark one legacy lives on. So Regina is trying to be like, what if we just kind of let him die? <laughs> Ooh, maybe let's just let that power kind of go away. And of course, Cora wouldn't let that happen. Not in her darkest day. No, and Regina calls it into question and then immediately just doesn't anymore. The moment Cora just gives one sentence explanation, I'm doing it for the family. Regina's like, okay. <laughs> like, it, okay. Re- Regina is... I know she's very vulnerable. I know that her mom is her weakness. And I know the, the points you were talking about, how it's, it is a very abusive dynamic. But this, this parts of this was weren't clicking to, right. for me. Um, it's yeah. I, I feel like they've done better with Regina, like in regards to Henry, like her and her mom dynamic, just 
it's not as meshed as I think it could have been. Right. And I think, and, and this will, this will lead into the final, the final scene with them. But uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those, since knowing that Cora's heart is out of her body, the entirety of Regina's life, Regina has never known actual love from her mother. So that is what Regina is chasing. And so the fact that that's never really addressed uh, maybe until the very last couple of moments. Cause I think that that would have played an interesting dynamic in that scene of like, she is trying to get a feeling that she just never felt that she had because I mean, there's a difference between just being like, this person is here and this person's great. And like knowing that that person has those feelings back at you, like you can love a person, but if that person doesn't love you back, like it's, it's a noticeable dynamic And so, especially with, like, a mother, like, you're supposed to feel that. You're supposed to feel like your mother will, like, absolutely murder somebody for you. And Regina's never had that. Regina's only had that in the fact that she's pretty sure my mom will murder for me. But, like, only because I need to be kept alive to become a queen. (laughs) It's not a good, warm, fuzzy feeling for your therapist to unpack. I I do have a question for this uh, before we, because I I don't want it to distract from their final Mm -hmm. moments. Mm -hmm. Because like I said before, I do have mixed feelings on this reveal that Cora, you know, not only had her heart out for an indeterminate period of time, she's had it out basically her whole life. Mm -hmm. I, I, I felt conflicted because in a way it almost sounds like an excuse. It's like, oh, it's not... Like, it's not Cora being a bad person. Mm-hmm. It's just her heart is gone. It, it kind of feels like, is this, is this, does this work or is it like a magic cuff? Is it just something to, to give us an outside thing to blame so that I, I just, that's what I'm, I, I honestly don't know the answer because Ooh. I, I kind of see it both ways. So, Okay, so I see that. I see that. I would not say that I would uh, say the heart being out of her body is the excuse. Like, I wouldn't be like, well, of course she was a shitty mom. She didn't have a heart in. I would say it was more, like, it's more tragic. And this is the part where I say something that I'm immediately proved wrong in the next episode, so I'm not going to get super far ahead of myself. But this is one of those dynamics and this is one of those reveals that should be a lot sadder than it actually is. Because mm-hmm. that's why I was crying is like in these in her, her final moment, the final moments that she and Regina have, because I'm so heartbroken for the situation um, <laughs> as a mother. So because I feel so sad for Cora, like that's what I'm upset about. Um, so to your point, I don't think it's an excuse for what she's done. I think it's kind of a sad, a, a, just a sad part of her story. Like it's mm-hmm. not an excuse. It's. And again, I'm, you're not watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney? No? Yes? No. no I'm not. Okay. Not so, yet. I, I, I don't, might. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a very large discourse about one character specifically about, are they, they're a well-written character, but are they, are they sympathetic and does the end justify the means kind of conversation mm. where it's just like, it's a conflicting motion where you're like, I sympathize with this character, but similarly what they're doing is wrong and I don't like it. So like you can sympathize and like, I'm not having trouble with it. Apparently other people are having trouble, but I think that's also the white woman who listens to too many podcasts in me where I'm like, I sympathize with what's going on. You're still a monster, 
But <laughs> I understand that your upbringing was tough. Does not explain any of this. So that's where I'm at with Cora, where I'm like, I sympathize with what happened. I know, understand what she did, but I don't think she saw the value. And I'm, again, with all of the compartmentalizing I did with the Hades stuff, um, <laughs> I think we get an answer to some of this. I think. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't yeah. remember. Because I remember being pissed about it. Uh, and, yeah. and one thing I will, I will, I will say in, in to, to further support your point, because again, th- 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 this wasn't me having, oh, like having an opinion on it. It was me just genuinely asking these questions because I didn't have an answer. But one thing I will give in your corner is that it's not like her heart was taken from her. Right. And that like she, you know, that, that it was lost or, or anything like that. She had it around and could have put it back in at any time. Like she had a daughter. She was watching this little girl grow up. She was feeding her and changing her, well, or watching someone else do it. Um, And being with her and seeing this daughter who loved her and wanted to be loved in return and chose every time not to love her. Yeah, but she never knows anything different. Like, she understood what it felt to kind of feel, like, hot in her pants for a guy with gold glitter on his face. Um, But she's never felt, and again, I don't want to, I keep saying this kind of ironically and funny, but, like, as a mother, like, it is. And and you can now contest to this, where it's like, Mm. I have never felt a, a compelling love, like, I love my husband. I'd take a bullet for the man. But seeing my son for the first time was such a weird experience, because I never mm-hmm. felt like I wanted to, like, just, I would just kill for you. I don't even need a reason. Just that person. Done. Like, it's just, it's this weird binding thing. And I know not everybody yeah. has it. And I know that there's a uh, there's a whole conversation for that. But I will say that personally, and this is what sympathizes to me is what this relationship, if she never knew that, like, if she just had this kid and was just like, oh, I feel like she's just experiencing postpartum anxiety and depression and never knew she was having it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. she never realized she didn't bond with her child. She never realized that she didn't have that relationship. She just thought, this is how it was. She had a drunk dad. She doesn't know what having a supportive parent nearby. We never even explored the mother option. So I would say, like, she has no idea what she lost until that final second. And mm. That's a good that point. is what, that is what I, that is why I, like, heartbreakingly. So, anyway. We keep alluding to it. Let me just, just do the, the stuff that happened beforehand. So Snow White breaks in. Cora feels it. And she's like, my heart, it's under attack. It's just, Regina, go save it. And The proximity. The heart proximity <laughs> alarm. Beep, 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 beep. Someone's getting too close to my heart. We must. Uh, and so she does it. She does it. She, this was such a cool scene, too, when, when Snow does this. Because she's holding ah. the candles. Mm-hmm. Cora. <laughs> Lights out amazing cinematography this was such a good Mm -hmm. moment and then the the scene that's between snow and regina where snow tricks regina she's like that was like that was good that was good shit on her feet man she had no idea what she was doing she was just like oh no uh this is for you you should put this in your heart because she wants she's never really loved you and it's like i get what snow's saying but the fact that she's doing it out of malice is just it's a horrific. What she's doing is awful, terrible, because she knows exactly what will happen the moment that that heart goes back in her mother. Because all she had to do, all she had to do was actually have her put the heart back in. Didn't have to curse it. 
put this heart back in your mother, she will change her mind. And we now know that that's true. Her mom would just be like, oh my God, I love you so much, honey. I, what are we doing? It's just, let's leave. I don't need any of this. But then I love you so would have died. Grandpa would have died. True, true, but... We would have gotten rid of Rumple, which is a whole different problem. But and gotten rid of the dark one forever, Yay! and that wouldn't be a storyline anymore. Great, everyone wins. So, like, there's a good path here. And again, it's a it's a conversation to end justifying the means and stuff. But it's just like you know what? Sometimes people, sometimes people just die. Um. Anyway, so yeah, she convinces Regina to put a cursed heart back in her mother, knowing that it will kill Cora, but giving Regina a sliver of hope. And an instant feeling of that love returned and reciprocated and a smile from her mother that's not doused in evilness. Mm-hmm. And, and it got snatched away because we, we go forward and this, the scene that started me crying, oddly enough, was Rumpel realizing that he's down to the I-N of his name on his dagger and he's, he's almost gone. Um, and he's like, I need to call Belle. Belle still has no idea. I do like that they put her in a yellow, like, she's still in a hospital bed and still in a hospital gown. Mm-hmm. Strange. Anyway, but she's in a yellow one because she's Belle. And he calls and he gives her this, like, it's sweet. It's kind of weird, but it's still sweet because he's, he doesn't know anything about her. He's just like, no, you're the person that sees good in everybody. And if you don't see good, you make good. So you lie, I guess. I don't know. No, like, that's that's weird. that's the I can fix him mentality. Uh, honey, I can no. make good. Honey, no. And he's just like, no, when you look in the mirror, know that that's what you're seeing. And again, I, I think the, the, the dialogue here was clunky, but it was from a really good spot. And I liked this. I really did. Like, it again, it's an old man. <laughs> trying to make peace with his creator before he dies and just hoping to like put things back in place. I, I did find it really funny where like Rumple is like pouring his heart out to her and, and the whole time Belle's just like, okay. Like, Thanks. I guess it's nice. Sure, yeah. dude. All right. I, I still don't know who you are, but sure. Go off, I guess. Like, I don't think he even said who he was. Like, no. it was just like, I know you don't know who you are and Belle, I know you don't know me. who I am. She doesn't even know it's fireball hands. It's just some strange dude that called her. Like, she's in a hospital bed in a hospital gown, but still has access to her cell phone. Cool, I guess. Sweet conversation with with all of that missing. Uh, Again. Then the Neil conversation happens. Oh, yeah. Holy God. This is what he should have... This is, like, the shit that he needed to say to Neil when he had the three minutes. My, My... my heart hurts. He's just like, I'm so sorry. I've never, go-. he's like, I never go back on a deal. And he, or no, Neil said that. He's like, I didn't think you'd ever go back on a deal. And he's like, I just made a mistake. I'm sorry. I love you. And the part where I broke, like I was sad and like, a, like a stray tear from here or there. And mm-hmm. then it's just Neil sitting and the shot is his shoulders hunched up and him just saying in a very small voice, I'm still mad. Cause he's just like, I'm still mad. I'm still mad. Cause he's trying to like, not give in to this because he mm-hmm. still has a very real feeling because that's his dad. And then he just turns around because his dad, you know, because Rumple like reaches back with his little bloody hand. He's coughed all over. He's like, what are you son? And they grab hands and they like touch foreheads and they're just sobbing. Like man sobbing, like just shoulders heaving. They're holding each other's hands or forehead to forehead. Me, waterworks, just Samwise carrying Frodo up Mount Doom. I'm just like <laughs> losing my mind. I'm like, I it was really don't, good. 
I don't care for either of these people. And I'm just sobbing, like, <laughs> and, like such a moment. And the whole time, my favorite part of this is just Emma just standing there like, I'm sorting out dominoes. <laughs> I'm not paying attention to any of this. I'm mad at everybody in this room. I hope nothing bad is happening. <laughs> um, anyway, um, Cora breaks through and is all ready to, to, to murder Rumpel. Uh, meanwhile, cut to Charming getting to Snow and be like, what did you do? And Snow is having a full mental breakdown over what she's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just like gripping the sides of her head and sh- her whole body is shaking and she's like this isn't me and I'm like bitch you should have already started running you sat there sad for too long uh, cause they don't make it they don't no. make it in time to stop Regina Regina shoves the heart back into Cora as Cora is semi monologuing over Rumpel's body and this is the part that <laughs> If the Neil Rumple stuff didn't break me, this did because mm-hmm. she got her heart back, and Regina's full of hope, being like mother, and this just such a real, genuine smile breaks out over Cora's face, the face yeah. of a woman who is connecting with her daughter. Like this is my daughter, this is my flesh and blood, somebody that I am proud of, and I love to my absolute core. There she is. Look at what a beautiful young woman she's become. Oh no, I'm dying. Like, it's this beautiful moment of her realizing a mother's love and then it's immediately taken away and then her dying words of, you would have been enough. As Regina is holding her mother's body as she dies, getting just the last bits of her life and love from her as Snow and Charming run in. And Regina has... I've seen Regina give death stares before. This is a bad one. Oh, this is a really bad one. This made me back up from my phone. Oh, yeah. Like, no, they, no, you're just like, oh. Tweet, don't, oh. don't look at me. Don't look at me. Okay. Um, Regina, I didn't do it. I swear. This, yeah, this whole thing. Like, everything about this. So if Cora dies, the poison doesn't work? Is that huh? what I'm supposed to be understanding here? What? I'm sorry. So Cora dies and Rumpel's fine? Yeah. Okay, I didn't, I don't, I don't get, I don't understand why that worked. Did Basically, I miss something? What I, what I think happened is, so it's, it's the, the candle will, will like, will save the person who's dying by killing the mm. sacrifice. And from what I can tell. That's right. Sorry. It's basically, tra- from what I think happened, it just transferred the poison from Rumple to Cora. I think that's what happened. Okay. But they don't that, make it quite clear. Okay. That made sense. I forgot about that rule. And they they said a lot of stuff like, this is why MacGuffins, when they roll over to other episodes, start getting a little muff, a little murky. I'm just like, I don't remember what happened a week ago. Oh, no. But yeah, so so Rumpel's fine. And I do like that he just like stands up, grabs his knife, and he's just like, eh, eh, way to go. Sucks to be you. Uh, so yeah, Cora has uh, Ding Dong, the witch is dead. I'm just going to keep making Wizard of Oz references with Cora until... Until something, uh, until until, until they serve a, another purpose. Until they serve another purpose, I guess. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, so that's how they cut it. They cut it with with Snow realizing she has full on murdered a person. She is second. She is no, no. She full on. She firsthand. She did this. This is her mm-hmm. fault. One hundred percent her fault. Um, which is going to open up another storyline that I think gets kind of messy if I'm remembering correctly. Oh um, yeah, the, the the dark spot on the, the dark, dark heart, the, the, the dark spot uh, on the heart. But you know what? 
compelling. I love it. I don't like good characters being good all the time. I like it when there's things like this. I mean, I know that they kind of, they fumbled it a little bit. The football doesn't quite catch. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, um, I love this episode. I love a good episode where I'm, I'm left crying. I love crying. It's great. It's cathartic. It's the right part of the mm-hmm. pandemic for that to be happening. Yeah, this episode was one of the strongest received uh, in Once Upon a Time history, at least until that point. And I would argue from then on because the show doesn't exactly go super uphill from here, uh, at least on the long run. Uh, but yeah, this is considered one of the, I think, one of the best episodes of Once Upon a Time. Uh, I imagine it's on plenty top ten lists and for very good reason. It is It is a standout episode. Um, and apparently there were a lot of reviewers who thought Rose McGowan should have been nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Whoa. Guest Actress. And hey, okay. You know, I see it. Like, I, I think she, she came in, she did what she needed to do, and then some. She could have easily phoned this in, but she did the work and it showed. Oh, yeah. She came in playing a completely different sport than everybody else was. Like, this mm-hmm. was... This was this is the kind of thing you show somebody and go, we want you to bring this level of energy. Like, yeah. do this. Like, you're never coming back to this show. You're like, because th- that it kind of had the whole thing of just being like, I kind of want to make this a reoccurring character. So I'm going to be so good. <laughs> they have to keep me. Um, no, yeah, you're right. This is this was standout episode. Amazing. Any episode that can make my skin crawl and make me sob. Amazing. Yes. Uh, And yeah, and so now the big bad of season two is gone. So now we are getting ready for uh, the next stage and into the next season. Uh, And I do find it interesting. There was a deleted scene um, where we did get more of those breadcrumbs about Neverland, apparently on the boat, uh, because you see Henry just having a grand old time steering that ship with his dear old dad. Apparently there was a scene between the two of them. Where um, Henry is like talking about, uh, he he references Peter Pan and then uh, Neil gets very uncomfortable and then says like, look, Neverland, it's not, it's not what you think it is. Um, And that's like, that's another one that is laid out. It's obviously happens later on. We get, we get this in much more detail, but um, I do find that interesting that in the episodes we're ending one saga there we have we have already started entering the next one i think that's probably what what what's really great about these first couple of seasons is that they knew where they were going for a lot of this like a lot of this they had planned Mm -hmm. out you can tell you know what we're gonna figure it out we're gonna figure out the exact moment they have no idea what's happening next like (laughs) it's like and they've run out of script and they've run out of plans on their dream board yeah because that's what it is. Like, there's, there is no breadcrumbing to, um, you know, where Charming learned to sword fight, or anything about the person who proceeded over their lands, or any part <laughs> of uh, Charming being able to joust with two by fours on the bag of four mm-hmm. truck. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be amazing. Um, and uh, just a couple random noses we close out one. I couldn't help but notice that at the ball, for some reason, all the dancers looked like they had just come off the Strictly Ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were all wearing what were very clearly their their gowns they wear for ballroom competitions and, like, samba stuff. And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? Sure. Uh, uh, I love it. 
and then uh, just another random note because I'm looking at like the guest credits. I like uh, Regina, played by Unknown Baby. <laughs> just that Unknown Baby. Un- we don't know. We found the baby. We just. <laughs> And, and we also, out, we like, asked for a baby. Mm-hmm. We asked if they had any sort of period um, diapers, but we couldn't find any. So we hand, we just dealt with loves. Uh, it's the cheapest mm-hmm. one we could find. It's probably what they used. Uh, and then, and then finally, like you know, we had a corrections corner last week related to Pan. I have a feeling like we kind of need one for this week because in the last week's episode, we were talking about Neil's fiance and Ethan Embry, and we're just like, there's something going on. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's also about Pan. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure no. every fucking thing is about Pan at this point. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah, I'm We're pretty t- sure like little Pan like hired all these people. Don't quote me on that. This isn't a corrections corner. I love it's a, it. it's a corrections, corrections footnote. <laughs> Do we need a corrections corner for our corrections corner? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, you know what? I will say I the fact that we it's been long enough that either of us have watched this going into this like this I I I find it more exciting because even with like the dud episodes I'm finding some some really fun stuff but like this mm-hmm. episode I forgot how much I loved it I know yeah. I love Rose McGowan because like she was always one of my favorite characters on on Charm she just had a very different like she just brings an energy to a show so I knew I was gonna have a good time and I didn't remember that it was like this much and she just again just a beautiful woman. Like I want the gown. I want that. I want that. Want the mask. Like even with her mask on, she's still just an absolute 10. Like I'm going to cover everything about you. How do I already know that you're beautiful? How do you do that? How do you radiate your attractiveness through a mask? I guess. And that that red dress that they put her in, like just with the flower blooming out of it. And so listen, yeah. Can we all get vaccinated and start having masquerades again? <gasps> well, like, I've already it, gotten mas- vaccinated. I haven't gotten masqueraded so, yet, but it's, I, I'm I, down for I'm it. I'm just saying, like, I keep... So I drove by... This is just a random story. I drove by, like, a random, like, uh, boutique booth that I have in my, my, my little small hometown. And they had a dress out front. Like, they're trying to sell prom dresses, but the dress they had out front now, just picture it here. The whole thing, very sparkly. It's red. And it's a long dress. Mm-hmm. It's kind of forming down to the bottom. And then like the, the skirt, it just, it, it sits kind of close to the body, but it's still pretty full. Uh, the sleeves, it has sleeves all the way down to your wrists. It's got a little bit of a shoulder pad situation, but then there's a V that goes down to your like freaking navel. Like not quite J-Lo green dress, but it's still like this big deep cut V. Again, mm-hmm. whole dress, bright red. And it has two energies to it. It has a... Um, the dress you wear to the funeral when you definitely killed your husband or <laughs> the dress you wear to the of uh, a wedding when you are definitely sleeping with the groom. Like it has both of those energies. And I'm like, I want to be able to go buy a dress and just go somewhere with it. Cause right now, if I just wear a dress and go to like Walmart or something, I'm just going to look nuts. But I, we need to bring back like adult ballroom activities so just yeah. like, you know what, let's come out of the pandemic and just reinstate masquerade balls, just having big dresses for no reason. Um, and you know what, a masquerade ball would work too, being like, you have to wear a mask, and if you're not vaccinated, a mask mask. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they called it the Roaring Twenties for a reason. It wasn't just because the, it just cause, wasn't just because of the war, but there was also that pesky flu thing that we all got out of, and we're like, we're gonna fucking party, and then we're gonna crash the economy. 
It's oh, gonna be great. Goodness. I, you know what? If if tomorrow they find out that they're reinstating prohibition, we're just at this point we're just copying storylines. Uh, <laughs> no, I again, yeah, I love this episode. Love the costuming. Loved Rose McGowan and very mildly excited for the Ethan Embry stuff that I've been predicting for sixteen episodes. I want it to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we're, yeah we're about to head into that and that you know on that note this was season two episode 16 the miller's daughter and uh i know last week we had our international uh title section uh this week they were for the most part the miller's daughter except for german because they just like to do their own thing that german was von Cora, which means cora's heart so that one was specific like it's fine not 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 a standout week. It wasn't the from the extinction of good, which is still one of the greatest episode titles in the history of humanity. Listen, if you have a bomb episode, you can't have like a killer title to like overshadow it. It just has to be like yeah. it's this. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you guys, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or you know wherever you get your podcasts. You can join our wonderful Facebook group. That is facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. Uh, we want to give a special thank you to our Snow Queen patrons. That is Lisa Slack, Patrick Stevens, Jacob Fulcalt, Paul, Brian Sneena, Blake Brinkley, and Zach Chobanoff. Y'all will stay our wonderful Snow Queen patrons, even though your your contribution will be reduced. Although, again, we're just going to put it down to that tier. And if you would like to stay at the $5 tier, uh, let me know, and you will also get your name credited in future thank yous. Uh, you can also join us on Twitter at twitter.com slash OUA timing. I am personally at Beth Elderkin. Uh, yeah, my uh, my uh, Bucky Barnes stan account is at just Abby. <laughs> and we will be back in two weeks with season two, episode 17. Welcome to Storybrooke. But I thought we were already here. Uh-oh, mm. something fishy. Mm. So thank you so much for joining us and Abby. We will see you next time. See you next time, Beth. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.